Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast. And listen, man, this is a GDP Minute. I'm a little bit tight that my last opener with the schmo didn't make it on because I'm. this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast right now because I can kind of just be totally honest and document what's going on with the show. Zoom has been great to us, man. We've been able to run episodes with really, really cool people because a lot of people have more free time and a lot of people are like, wow, I'm going to give this young, handsome, strapping young man a shot. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. He's getting down to like 7% body fat for the summer. This dude is looking clean, boy. Nonetheless, man, we just ran an episode with Adam Grossman, the CMO of the Boston Red Sox. Huge Sox fan. There were specific moments. We tried to just sound like smart marketers and give really good marketing questions, but there were a couple specific moments where he was talking about the 2003 season, the 2004 season, where he was just kind of making his way up. And if you're from Boston and you grew up in Boston during that time, you guys remember when they the Red Sox lost on that walk-off Aaron Boone home run and when the Red Sox won in 2004. It was like the most insane time ever to be a sports fan in the city. It was crazy. And um, he also talked about how he makes brand decisions. And, you know, he didn't really take any credit, but, like, the brand that the Red Sox have turned into is insane. It's like one of the most notable sports brands in the world. And so it was really cool to hear how it's just, it's like a well-oiled machine over there. And uh, he talked about his expectations for the upcoming season. Hopefully they'll play baseball. They don't really know yet. It's just totally situational. And uh, with that being said, man, if you by chance get any sort of value from this episode, dude, just share it with a friend. I'm very committed to growing this. I said I want to make this the most central network in Boston in the next six months of people you want to hear from. And uh, I'm just focused on success, man. I don't know. I got a motor. Let's keep it going, baby boy. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, feel free to hit me in the DM on IG if you have any questions. All right. Talk to you soon. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just you forgot to enter. Hi, Madam Gross with the Red Sox. This is my golden hour. And, and I have my two rock star producers on the phone, Brendan and Slugs. Brendan, say what's up. Brendan Slugs, say what's up to Adam Grossman. How's it going, Adam? Hey, hey Brendan. How are you? Great, thanks. So, uh, hey, man. Thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's uh, thanks for having me. It seems like. So, did you just did you just start? You've you've had this for a while, or was it started when everything went down? No. So we have we actually have a, a studio in Somerville. Okay. In the back of an event space, and I've been running the podcast now for probably eighteen months. I had started initially. I was throwing um, concerts at the Middle East in Cambridge. Okay. And I realized there was no like real like network of kind of everything going on in the city. So we just started interviewing people in music and we've kind of deviated a little bit since. Right. That's awesome. So I, um, all of my friends, so I went to Providence college, all of my friends oh, yeah. are, uh, do you see my LinkedIn? Yeah, no, well, I haven't, I, 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 I haven't, no, or at least I can't remember, which so it doesn't mean much. Anyway, um, I, I went to Providence College and most of my friends who get into business, they, they all aspire to like get to the position that you're in. Like they all want to work in some sort of like sports management or executive sports position. When you, 
when you had started out, was that always kind of the goal for you? Like college at Duke and yeah, Duke. Um, I mean, for me, like, so I grew up in Cleveland and I somehow became infatuated with Duke. I think just cause they were, I mean, obviously a lot about basketball, but, and I watched a ton of Duke hoops and my dad was always a huge sports fan. And that was kind of the religion of the house was, was sports. So Duke was definitely um, a goal of mine. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to get in and, you know, they, when I was there, won the national championship one year and like their teams were amazing. So um, I, I was a public policy major and which was a little, which was appealed to me because there was a lot of, uh, it was like econ government, um, kind of a wide, wide swath of, of classes were part of it. And so I spent a couple summers in DC um, but even in DC, when you're sort of in the heart of politics, and I was working for ABC in 2020, the, the show 2020, one summer, and I was working for a polling firm the next summer. But every, even while I was there, like I would, the Nats weren't around at that time, so I was just kept going to Orioles games. I just felt like you know I really wanted to to pursue sports, and then you always had the sports bug. Yeah, and a friend of mine, um, our sophomore year. A friend of mine um, and I were in the class together and, and started this organization to work with the Durham Bulls um, and the, the AAA affiliate of the, of the Rays. And it's an incredible organization and, and really has a, um, a real community foothold in Durham. Now, and how so, far is Durham from D.C.? Uh, well, Durham from D.C. was like four hours, maybe. Okay. Um, but when, when we were in Durham, um, we started this nonprofit basically, um, to help the little league, they had an, uh, inner city little league and, um, that they ran with the parks and rec department. And so my friend and I basically committed the rest of our college careers. Plus a little bit after my friend actually ended up going to the white house and started working for Andy card, um, staff for Bush and then I was at Fenway and even throughout that we were still working on this project we were renovating two fields in Durham and and trying to raise a lot of money and how much did you raise uh it was a 250 it was actually a five hundred thousand dollar project we had to raise about half of it um and so you know we did we had a lot of private donors we had some grant money come in and then there the bulls leaned we're doing a big development project in right by the ballpark and they leaned on their contractors to help build these, these, uh, renovate this, this park in Durham. So it was a pretty, um, eye-opening experience. It was awesome. I mean, the, the collective will of that community and the individuals who were coaches and, and, you know, and you sort of saw this sort of public private partnership come together, which was, you know, again, at 22 years old. I, mean, I was going to say, you're like the young 22-year-old stud getting this done. Everyone must have been amazed at what you were doing. No, I think we were just, we've just, um, I think it opened our eyes to just sort of how, if you just ask and you sort of knock on people's doors and you're really committed, um, you know, you can get some, some things done. And it was one of those projects where it sort of, was a springboard for me to say, you know what, this is sort of how I would like to 
at least been my post-grad, you know, world of just trying to like, why not try to get into sports and see what I can do and really pursue it. So um, I started talking to as many teams as possible my senior year and, you know, I get a, grew up in Cleveland. And so I was, um, first person I talked to was Mark Shapiro, who's now the CEO of the. You always wanted to win. Sorry. I'm, I come from Cleveland. You always wanted to be part oh, of a yeah, winning team, yeah, right? It was a tough, the, the, I mean, it's an incredible place to grow up and the, the sports there, I mean, were just amazing, but heartbreaking. And, um, you know, obviously the, the 2016 NBA championship was the, the outlier there, but I was um, fortunate, however you define it, fortunate or unfortunate to be, you know, at the shot. Um, I was at the drive, <laughs> you know, it was in Miami when the, the Indians lost game seven. So it's sort of a tragic uh, sports upbringing, but it, it was something that, uh, you know, we have great memories of going to so many of these games and, um, you know, but it's been nice to, <laughs> nice to see, you know, Duke win, nice to be a part of the Red Sox. Although, you know, when I, I came to the Red Sox, the first season was 0-2 at that point, you know, I hadn't won at that point yeah. in four years. So before we move on, can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do for everyone that's going to listen? Yeah, so um, I'm Adam Grossman. I'm the chief marketing officer of the Red Sox and Fenway Sports Management. Um, and uh, you basically from the, the job position, I think there, there's a couple things. One is just sort of a lot of the outbound messaging um, and communications with um, an engagement with our fans. Um, you know, I think the, 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 the core of what we do is how are we connecting with fans on, on digital and social um, and making sure that, that fans feel connected to us, our players, and then also with Fenway Sports, you know, we, we own um, Liverpool Football Club, the New England Sports, 80% of New England Sports Network. So you oversee all of that? Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the way it's structured, those, like, I don't oversee the marketing of Neston or the marketing of, of Liverpool, but we do, um, the FSM is... Um, sort of a revenue catalyst for all of those portfolio companies. And so I work, work with FSM on, on, in that capacity as well. So that's kind of what's neat. Like the John Henry, Tom Warner, um, you know, Larry Lacchino when he was CEO, now Sam Kennedy. I mean, they're sort of these big picture thinkers and it's not solely, you know, one particular team and they've got a, a real portfolio of, of sports properties that are blue chip. And that's sort of what they've always been focused on is, you know, how do you get real um, blue chip assets and grow them? And, you know, we've been able to, to do that uh, with the Red Sox and, and what they've done with Liverpool is extraordinary. And um, it's said, I mean, I've been with the organization pretty much for 18 years. I had a little sabbatical in the middle. I went to the Dolphins. Um, I did my research, man. That seemed pretty yeah. random. Yeah, it's. Um, you just want to get down to Miami. Yeah, there are a couple. I mean, there are a few, a few factors. I mean, one, my uh, my fiance at the time, now my wife, is Brazilian and um, had never lived in a, a through a Boston winter, and so when the opportunity came up oh. to go to Miami, where she had lived before, that was something. Uh, Mike D who was the chief operating officer for the Red Sox, became the CEO of the Dolphins. And, you know, I, I started in, in 02 with the Red Sox and um, at own, you know, and, and loved it. And, you know, it was sort of a dream job and not, it was a dream job on paper, but I think when you got to underneath 
the surface and you know my first bosses were Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and Ben Sherrington and you know I started with Amiel Sade and Brian O'Halloran and you know so these guys that are now doing incredible things on the baseball side and then also working and you went through the whole Aaron Boone home run you were there yes, for all that yeah we oh. were there we were there for that that was uh, what was that like for you uh it was it for, for me it just it felt it was such a uh, <laughs> it was painful i mean for all oh. of us i mean we were just the the next day um I mean, I don't know, I remember vividly, like, sort of going, we were on the bus after the game in New York, nobody spoke, we were on the plane coming back, and it was, it was, I mean, literally, you could hear a pin drop the entire time, I mean, there was not a word uttered, and everybody was just in shock, and then the next day, I mean, we were barely able to get out of bed. Um, I do remember, you know, both Lakino, Lakino, I remember the next day when we sort of got in the office the next day, it was, you know, it was really like, you know, we got to look at ticket sales. We got to look at, um, you know, ticket pricing. Like we got to get back on the horse. Like they can continue what we're doing and really was sort of pushing us to not lament what just happened and just keep pushing forward. And I think, I feel like Theo was the same way. I mean, it was obviously it's sort of an emotional bomb. Um, Dude, how could you do that? But we just kind of kept pushing on. But it was it was a really it was really really tough. Um, and it was I just remember feeling like there's no way this is ever going to happen because. And then obviously, um, you know, the next year was sort of a Disney movie. You know, like a, sort of an impossibility. And and that the, those years like '03 and '04 were. It, it, it's it's sort of hard to even conceptualize well yeah i mean that's so you were at that point you were a scout or you were a video editor so i was in o2 i started in baseball ops i was there for a handful of months and i mean i was an intern which meant you know like I Dude, get, you did everything yeah i mean i would label tapes i would move boxes I would pick up Thai food you know, at Fenway. Yeah, it was exactly what you know you would want from a intern four-year degree. Um, but but the, what for me it, it just it got me into the exposure of how the process of decision making and and also just sort of the organizational change how all that sort of came about and it was it was fascinating to see. Like I tell people now, sort of looking back. Like it was a startup. The Red Sox at that time in 2002 were a startup just with a 90 year old history. It just, it, it, you just felt like things were gonna take off with the personalities and the talent and the ambition that, that was there. Um, I recall I was that just too. Sort of there because I, I didn't know anybody in Boston. I was just hanging out at Fenway waiting for people to give me work. And that's basically, you know, what I did for, that's what we all did because it was such a family dynamic that we had it was it was pretty cool I, I mean again I was young but I also remember vividly during that time how exciting it was to be part of the culture and I was kind of I think at that time and you could probably speak more to this that around that time was when the Red Sox brand started going a little more international with Red Sox Nation yeah it was oh oh two started 
everything. I mean, as you know, you had new ownership. John and Tom and Larry were there. Sam and Theo had just come from from San Diego. Um, and it was felt like there was just this. Um, there was so much opportunity because of the history, and felt like there was more. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Connor. Hey, this how are you? Is, I'm interviewing life. Dad. He's famous. <laughs> Whoa! What's your name? Stella. Is it Stella? Stella. Stella. Hey, I'm Connor. Is he like a director person? Kind of. And he's got producers in his ears. That, 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 that's what I'm telling all my old girlfriends. I'm, I'm a big time <laughs> director now. <laughs> all right. You know, say. Bye. Bye, Stella. Great to meet you. Wait, how do I get that Zach? It's downstairs. No, but how do I call Zach? It's, um, if you need to take a minute, no problem. It's, uh, he's. Is he up? Yeah. I'll just. What, 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 did you pick the class? Pitbull. Pitbull and Allie Love? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I already told him. Okay. I did. All right. Do you like llamas? I like dogs more, but I do like llamas. I have a dog in my house. What type? What? Um, a lot of different ones. The mutt. Yeah. Mutt. All right. His name's Gorby. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it's great. We're living in wild times man yeah this is <laughs> um hey so uh we were talking but quick question so in 02 through 04 the first you're kind of like low dude on the totem pole was it more exciting for i was you? lower than that yeah yeah it was was lower. it more exciting for you in 04 to win the chip or is it like a big exec in 2018 uh I mean, 04 and the way it all happened was astonishing. Um, and I think we all recognized, you know, to be part of the organization at that time and to sort of make history in the way that we did um, was something that you can, again, you can, it's hard to even conceptualize, but you, you, that, that one is still to me, the, like, I mean, you know, I, I think Werner talked about this, you know, I sort of, we've now been fortunate to win four and it's like, you know, which one of your children is your favorite? Like it's, it's so hard, but the 04 one is just, even we were playing the, the Dave Roberts game and it's like, it's still oh, I hard. I forget it's about still hard to believe that you know all that happened in eighteen. I think I I feel and I think we all felt like we were just so fortunate to be a part of a season like that, where it just felt like everything worked. And like even the seasons when we've had success, even the ones you know at times we were won the World Series, um, but all others where again we 
won 95 games, gone to the postseason. Like some of those seasons can be very challenging. Even like the season prior to that was a really hard season. And we still ended up winning, I think, 95, 96 games that year and had a great team. But it didn't flow like, you know, you win 108 games plus another 11 in the postseason in 18. And, you know, just to watch these guys play and to have, you know, Cora in the dugout at the time who was just, I mean, I remember seeing Cora after, I saw him in the lobby in LA after the 18 inning game, you know, which was like insane, such a marathon and draining. And, you know, I saw him and I didn't, I was like, how are you doing? Goes, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. And it was like, nothing had happened, you know, just sort of like let him wash over and was like, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be fine. It was like, all right. You know, and that sort of, the attitude our guys had that entire year, just things just flowed that year. And, um, you know, it was a, that was just a machine of a season. And I was going to say, it just seems so well-oiled. Like they, you're just nasty. Yeah. Were, and the organization was great. The whole city was excited about it. Yeah. It was a fun, I mean, that season was really fun. It was really, really fun. And, and, you know, the next season was really difficult and just realized like, again, it's just another punctuation, just how, how hard it, one, how hard it is to win, how, you know, how hard it is to sustain it. And you take it and, for granted like crazy. Yeah. I think Boston family, again, like sort of growing up in Cleveland and seeing the success that, um, that, that this city has had across all the sports. And, and I've been, I gotten to know my counterparts and to know, you know, the leadership and the organizations, the Celtics, Pats, Bruins. I mean, it's a incredibly talented, committed ownership group, you know, across the board. Um, and also within the front office. I mean, it's not a, um, it's not surprising why these teams have had the success that they've had and to have the fans here, are extraordinary i mean it's just it is a it it's it's an incredible place to be a part of a team because the, the intensity the knowledge the expectations are so high here um and the commitment to the teams is so great that i think it's it's different than anywhere else now obviously the red sox is just a citywide team but when you guys check analytics, what is like the average demo of a Red Sox fan? Do you know? Well, it depends. We, so we, basically what we do is we'll look at our fans and sort of say, all right, we cut them up into multiple segments, like nine, we have nine principal segments um, that we focus on. And so, you know, our, our season ticket base is between 45 and 55, um, which again, that makes sense because a lot of them are, it, we've sort of done a lot of research and studies about, you know, baseball is sort of a generational game. And um, what we really focus on is how do we get the next generation of fans involved? And so there's this inc incredible stat that like, if, if you go to a game by the age of five, minor, minor league or major league, um, you'll go to 40% more games over the course of your lifetime than if you go um, after the age of 14. Wow. So like if you get in younger, you're going to be part of this sort of baseball experience the rest of your life. And so that's what we really focus on. We've got a really, um, we've really dug in the last seven years into kids, kids marketing, parent marketing, 
Um, and then the same, you know, for our season ticket holders, we just believe a lot in relationships and especially given the dynamic of baseball where you have these 81 games and there's a familiarity with the player, the familiarity with the park, the employees, the relationships are what we focus on more than anything. I think it's, so when I was, we were researching for the episode, me and my producers were like, dude, the Red Sox is just such a massive enterprise. How do you, what is like the brand image of the Red Sox in your mind? It's like, it's this storied brand with this massive history, but now you guys have shifted into this like really cutting edge, innovative and exciting baseball team. Like how do you make brand decisions? Yeah. So I think that's, I mean, if, if people believe that, and again, ultimately it's, you know, what our, our fans believe. Um, and, but what we are trying to project, and I think it's one is you have to be authentic with it, but we are historic and traditional and there is no value that you can place on that. I mean, just to, to have over a hundred years um, at Fenway park and have over a century of Red Sox baseball is there's only a handful of, you know, crown jewels. And, and again, that's something that we, and I would say, you know, for, for me personally, I mean, it's something that was here well before I got here. Um, and the same thing, even with the ownership, I think what, what we have done is taken sort of one of those crown jewels and built it and expanded on it. And I think that's what we talk about a lot, which is we are traditional and historic. What we, cannot be uh is old and and you know what we need to continue to be is is innovative and evolve what then and how does that you know what does that mean um and especially with what we're doing on the social side on the digital side killing it those, those things are massively important and so you know we've but we, 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 you know, we look at we we look across sports, and again, other teams need to to do you know need to be comfortable in sort of their own in their own way. If you've got a newer franchise, like the Golden Knights, as an example, have done an incredible job marketing. I mean, they've got an inc a fantastic organization. They but their styles can be very different than our style. Doesn't mean that anything is right or wrong. It just has to be. Um, for us, you know, we've got to be comfortable with what we're doing. And so we're just not going to relax and say, hey, like we got a hundred year history because that, that's not going to work anymore. Um, but what we know is we've got to be rooted in that history, but still connect with people on their own levels, on their own platforms and not be um, sh sort of shackled by the fact that we've got these deep historic roots. How do you make kids care about that? Like, like, will your daughter care about the Red Sox curse in like 10 years, do you think? Or uh well i mean she I, will because you're like the red sox man she she care i mean um you know when we traded mookie this year you know i i told her and she just looked at me and started bawling oh. and you know barely got to school that day um and again those are I mean, you never want to see your kid cry, but you also, but for us, like we want people emotionally invested into the Red Sox. Now, again, we'd rather have them cry out of happiness and, and elation, but. You know, <laughs> what was that like? Were you just standing out like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, I said, oh man. I mean, it, it, <laughs> our teacher, like we went to school. I mean, she was, it was a tough, it was a tough morning. And I think that it, 
it's a, we all recognized how difficult that decision was going to be, even though we felt like it was the right one. And again, that's part of, that's, that's the difference between working for a team and being a fan of the team. And, you know, you have to look long-term and it's, it's a really, those were really hard. I think for kids, for us, I think there's a couple things. One is, um, it's ultimately the players are so important and we've, we've been so fortunate to have iconic players, big personalities, you know, for us using digital uh, technologies and for streaming and to be able to watch, you know, watch games on your device and at your own pace, critical. Um, the, the content that we're putting out, the connections that we're trying to make, are also critical. And then in Fenway, you know, the physical experience there. And again, that's where parents and adults come in that have young kids. Like we've, we have to make sure that we're giving them the service, the entertainment value to make sure that they're continuing to come. And that's, that's really important. It's, it's all of it. Well, yeah. How, who did the, made the brand decision? Like, when they were developing all the new assets to the park, did they hit you up like, Hey, Adam, I, I think we got to make this park a little nicer and get some more pieces in here. Is that you know, something they do? It, it's a collective thing. So, I mean, over the last, you know, like in, in 2002 at that time, um, you know, Larry, Janet Marie Smith, Jonathan Galula, who had just come over from the Padres um, were sort of the, the visionaries and caretakers of Fenway and the, and the evolution. But I think what I, I personally learned from that process, because I, I wasn't, again, I had a window seat, so to speak, um, into it, which was, it has to be this combination of experience, of entertainment, of revenue generation, you know, and, and of service. And so like even something where we took one suite and said, and I think this was Sam Kennedy's idea, said, hey, listen, you know, we got, like, we should take our best suite, fit it out in a very different way, and have a legend sit in that suite each and every game. And, you know, from a generic suite now becomes the legend suite. So you can sit down with Jim Rice or Eckersley or Fred Lynn and, you know, and get a different experience than anybody else on a day of game basis. Like, you know, again, that's, those are sort of the compilations. And even, like, when we expanded the scoreboard, like, if you look at, um, Which one, the brand new jumbotron? You mean? No, the well, even in in O two and O three, even the old scoreboard, it just had the American League standings, and then we expanded it to do National League, and then oh, you mean on the wall? On the wall, okay. And sort of even in that, we you know, we were taking um, a historic, iconic element of, and how do you again become? Larry always had this the saying, you know, we have to take the Hippocratic Oath of Fenway of do no harm. And it was, but we have to evolve it. And so, you know, there are more advertising opportunities to generate money and that money then goes into player payroll, but we're also giving fans more information. And so it's not just American League scores, it's National League scores. Um, same thing with the monster seats. You know, the monster seats, it just, again, looking back on it, I give so much credit to, you know, Tom, Tom I think, had their idea of saying you know why would it's not cool to have home runs go into a net like they should go in and people should be able to catch these in left field but you know the monster is a sacrosanct place and you know to 
but making sure that if we're putting seats up there, they have to blend in with the ballpark. And Janet used to always talk about the neighborhoods. You know, you need different neighborhoods of a ballpark. And, you know, these sort of, I remember you're talking about the, the bobbing head um, sort of look if you're at home plate. Like it's, you know, these bar stools and you just sort of see people hanging out with their, um, which is different than what, you know, I, I would have envisioned for that, for that area. So, you know, you had experts that had incredible experience and incredible vision, but were very much brand oriented to make sure that we weren't doing any harm to the brand and we're just expanding what people love about Fenway Park. And I think that's what was amazing to see the evolution and, um, and the expansion of, of, of Fenway. This is just a quick question, totally irrelevant. But has any anytime a home run's gone over the Green Monster, has it ever hit anybody on the street? I thought about that my whole life. Um, it's hit. They definitely hit some cars for sure. Definitely hit some cars, and um, I'm not. Uh, I don't know about the the pedestrians, but um, people probably Red Sox cut like a fat check. There, all right, don't tell anyone. Uh, no, but the <laughs> but they've gone on the pike. I mean, there there's been. It, those balls can get out quick. So, um, especially I remember Manny Ramirez home run that like literally went to the moon. I was like, Oh yeah. my God, that's, that's yeah. like a 10 car pileup right there. No, there's been some, some epic moments in that area. So when you, when you're rising up like the ranks of the Sox, what decisions are you making where your higher ups are like, okay, like this kid's got it, man. Like this kid's going to be the chosen one. He's, he's our new CMO <laughs> in five years. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a, a couple things. I think everybody's path is different. And I think for me, I've just, I've been really fortunate to have incredible mentors. Um, you know, that's what they, they all say, Adam. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's trite and it's true. And, you know, you don't, um, we've just, even, you know, the, the colleagues around me and, and now, I mean, I think for what we're, we're doing, you've got to be able to have relationships and, and, and you need a real team, whether that's the, you know, management team um, that, you know, that Sam has running the day-to-day -day of the Red Sox or our marketing team that, you know, that we've tried to, to really build and strengthen and invest in over the last several years to colleagues, you know, like my colleague, like Sarah McKenna, um, who runs all of the, uh, pre-game entertainment and Red Sox productions. I mean, you just need all these puzzle pieces to fit together. And um, I think for me at the Red Sox, I just, I've always felt comfortable with the people and the culture. And I just, I mean, even from those first days at, um, as an intern, I just, I loved it. And it's just, it's worked for me. Um, and, you know, when you were young, when, when you were young, like 22, 23, did you always know that you get to this point in your career like was that always kind of in your mind no and and it's funny because even when you know you say that it's like I'm not for me I, I feel like it's like okay like I'm at this I'm at a point in my career that was you know the next step from where I was before but it doesn't feel like I've there's no finish line um you know it just doesn't feel like okay like well I'm I'm good you know this is I mean I think there's still so much to achieve you know, personally, I think there's a lot to achieve from what we're trying, what we've built, you know, there's just, there's always more. And I mean, even the scenario that we're living in now, I mean, the challenges are 
so much greater than they were several months ago. And I think yeah. that's where the strength of the people around you, um, I mean, I always feed off of them. And I think that's just the sort of the true definition of culture. It's just like you, you know, you want to go in every day or Zoom every day as the case may be like with the people around you that, that you're going to question and push and, you know, try to collectively figure out these, these puzzles. Cause it's a, it's a very difficult and, um, it's a trying time like well beyond sports, but also sort of seeing how sports can integrate into that and be a healer. And that's something that we've seen over the last 20 years as well. I mean, you know, the 2013 season was, it's, it's, it's so important in the, the fabric of the city. What, even, yeah. What was that like for you? And for anybody listening, I'm assuming Adam is referring to the, the Boston marathon bombing and like how the Red Sox just kind of became an integral piece of the city in unifying people at the time. Yeah, that was, I mean, the, the marathon bombing, the, I mean, I, you know, we had an early, uh, we had an early game like we always do. It was a beautiful day. And then. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, I was in the city that, that day. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, we were, I, my Stella, who you just met, um, it was, it was two. Um, and so we were supposed to go to the finish line. I was going to bring it to the finish line. It just didn't work that day. And wow. you, know, you sort of heard what happened. And then our guys, our flight, we were going to Cleveland and the flight was just taking off when the news came down. And so I think our guys, our player, I wasn't on that flight, but our players were in shock and they sort of, you know, you have some idea potentially of what happened, but there was so much confusion and uncertainty at, at first. Um, and then they landed and it was just, it was a shock. I mean, the, it was shocking and, and, you know, and it felt like, especially in during the shutdown uh, here in Boston, I mean, everybody was sort of captivated and glued to their TVs. And, um, but I think for us, like they, they, that first game back, you know, the Indians did a really nice tribute to the city. You know, we had the 617 Jersey, Will Middlebrooks, um, it, we actually looked at it. Somebody came up with the with the hashtag of Boston Strong, but once Middlebrooks tweeted it out, it really took hold. And then when we came back, we started working on Be Strong logo and sort of the different um, elements of, of Be Strong. And, and when we our first game back against the Royals, I mean, it was it was crazy because I mean, was that was that the day Poppy? made the speech that was the, the poppy speech day um and you know we said hey you know you're gonna get the mic and and um, killed it and yeah um he killed it we had a come from behind victory daniel nava um and it was a cathartic experience because like people could come back together like after the city was shut down for two days and this, you know, shelter in place, which now feels somewhat common, was obviously not at that time. And, um, you know, and then everybody descended upon Fenway and it was amazing. And that's sort of the way this, that whole, and again, people forget, they, we had a really tough 2012 season. They came in in 2013 and people had very low expectations for us. Um, and our guys had a chip on their shoulder and then, they were just in Farrell. That was John Farrell's first year and he had come back. And, and I mean, yeah, it, it just, again, those seasons are, 
they're magical by definition, but that one had a certain community tie that was was hard to explain given the backdrop of what happened. Now internally after that happens, you meet with your marketing team. What do you guys discuss? Like how, how do we, because we're going through something similar right now, how do we still market the socks, but also remain sensitive as to what went on? Like, yeah, I think, um, we, you know, again, Charles Steinberg and like sort of on field and pregame and, and throughout I me, mean, we, we, we knew that the season was going to be dedicated to the Almost instantaneously. first responder. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was clear that that the definition of that season would went well beyond the wins and losses, but the wins and losses obviously sort of elevated all of that. And it, it felt like there was, there was a, um, a different purpose to that to that season and so we had um, I mean we still have you know like, like Patrick Downs and and I mean and you know we have so many relationships from from some of uh, you know the victims there and, and we, we still have those relationships to, to today and even you know those Boston jerseys like we got there are a couple things that were crazy in the right in the immediate aftermath one that first game back there are two things one is um, Meg Ryan, who now heads up marketing um, with the Niners, was our head of social, and she's not the actress. No, different one. But um, but she she's awesome and was monitoring social and said, you know, people had this idea about why don't we put Boston on our home jersey because we're really playing for Boston that day, and so we called up MLB we called majestic in like in 48 hours we figured out how to have an old school Boston jersey for our first game back and so now we wear that every marathon um and you know that's when Ortiz said you know today we wear Boston on our you know on our front and at, at home and so that 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 was that was cool that came from our fans organic but just in terms of the the nimble nature of our of our organization and trying to, to get it done. Then the other thing I'll never forget, like I was sort of was chaos that first game back and it was pregame and we're walking and, and Sarah again, who oversees all of our, our entertainment and pregames. It's like, I can't fucking believe this. What happened? He's like, Neil Diamond just showed up. Oh, that was huge. You know, bombs. it's like, it's like, we didn't know, like, and he, he called, he called, uh, the front desk and said, you know, I'm just Neil Diamond. Like, I just want to let people know I'm coming. You know, it wasn't like there was like some plan. He just, he came on his own. And so, you know, those kinds of things are just, it, it's part of the Red Sox DNA. It's sort of part of the soap opera of the Red Sox. And it's a hard thing to replicate. I like how you describe it that way. It is, it is very similar to a soap opera. Yeah. There's something different about it. And again, the highs are much higher. The lows are much lower, but, um, but those sort of uh, elements I don't think are commonplace among most franchises. But, but I also lucky to be part of it. I think as a, you must have moments sometimes as a marketer. I mean, it's a marketer's job to tell stories. You must sometimes like look at yourself in the mirror and be like, wow, like look at the brand I'm helping build here. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I for me, it's more about, I look at the brand. I'm lucky enough to be, a part yeah, of you're being political, Adam. Yeah, you got a kick-ass job for a marketer, man. No, it's great. It's great, and we also have a lot going for us. You know, I mean, again, we we. I mean, some people say, "Oh my God, you know, 
congratulations, you got the easiest job in baseball. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case because I think there's, again, when we talk about, there's always more, more to go, but even, you know, last, this past week, I don't know if you saw, but, but you know, John Krasinski, uh, we parked I just John saw Krasinski that. On, on some good news and, you know, in, in 48 hours pulled off something that was really extraordinary and, and important, um, you know, to be able to give healthcare heroes a, a, a day at Fenway. That's like their own, their own playground. And we gave away season tickets for life for these BID healthcare heroes. And That's awesome. to at Sam, you know, Krasinski has been friends with Sam for a long time and he called him last Tuesday and, you know, there's a team of people led by Sarah who basically figured this out and, 48 hours and you know now there's millions of people that watched it and it, it just it, it provides some sunshine um and some smiles in a really difficult and dark period and that's really sort of our mentality for the last month um especially on social and digital and content platforms has been you know three areas of focus one is we need to support the um the, the healthcare community Mayor Walsh, Governor Baker, you know, that to amplify the messages about public health and safety, you know, we need to engage our fans, um, you know, one, because we, we want to make sure that we continue to be relevant. Secondly, like, people need to be engaged right now. Um, people want escapism right now. For sure. And we provide that. And, and the, the third piece is entertaining. Um, you know, we've got to continue to entertain and, and, you know, putting old games on, having some of the legends talk about, you know, what it felt like to get their first ring. And, I mean, and, you know, Erod is now, uh, MLB did the, um, doing an MLB The Show tournament with, uh, with, with guys from each of the 30 clubs. So, you know, anything we can do, we will do to make sure that, you know, we're doing our part in our own, in our own way. And, and so, it's been, it's definitely been a challenge, um, but it's also been something where you can see the strength of and the commitment of, of the people around here that, again, I feel really fortunate to be a part of. Now, what are your thoughts on playing this year? You think the season's going to happen or? Yeah, we're, well, obviously we're, we're, we're hopeful and, and Rob Manfred and his team are working around the clock to try to figure out what the best option. I think public safety for the players and the fans is paramount and, and then we'll be guided by that. But, uh, you know, in some ways for us, we're, we're, we're in the same boat. Like we're all watching and, and keeping our fingers crossed and, and, you know, hoping that we can figure out a way for us to see baseball, but it, it'll, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. We, uh, this could be totally me just like, looking at too much news online but i saw that there might be like a tentative idea to move all the teams to their spring training spots and then have like no fans and then they all just play in florida is that like a feasible thing and as a marketer that might be kind of fun like you just shoot down to florida for the next six months i think it's safe to say that no matter you know there's millions of scenarios that could happen this season is going to be i mean the year 2020 again well beyond baseball uh, nobody will forget. And so we just need to be nimble and adapt and we'll, we'll, we'll figure, we'll figure it out. Um, 2020 uh, was the year I met Adam Grossman, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> On Zoom. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see. Again, we're keeping our fingers crossed. And in the meantime, you know, again, it's, it's our, it's our mission to continue to entertain our fans, even despite not, not having baseball and, and having Fenway temporarily closed. 
Well, um, Slugs and Brennan, I'm gonna let you guys chime in because I'm sure they have questions. But yeah, uh, I got problem. I'd probably have to jump in like a minute or two. Um, yeah, no problem. I'll, hey, can you guys get two quick ones off for Adam because he's got a scram? Yeah, I got a quick one just about the Red Sox Yankees rivalry. Um, I'm just wondering, is, is that something that is just organic and comes out from the players, or is that something you nudge along and try to promote from a marketing standpoint? Uh, so it's it is really important, um, you know, and it's it's from certainly from a marketing standpoint, it actually helps when the Yankees are are good and when both teams are really good, um, because like even in eighteen, you know, to be able to play them in the postseason and retention and the the visibility, like it's it's a really it's healthy for baseball, it's healthy for both organizations. Um, I think there's, uh, I. Th- you know, the rivalries, and I think this is across sports, I mean, there was a ton of hatred for a while, you know, between the teams. I think the, the players now, for the most part, I think, you know, they get along decently well, but that can change with the pitch. I mean, you know, the Joe Kelly fight from from 18, I mean, that was a real spark. Um, even the uh, – Nothing will touch the Veritag, Zimmerman, Pedro – yeah, yeah, well, the, yeah, the Paratech era. I mean, it's just again, that's part of being part of a iconic brand. Like you, you know, they, they, you need rivals. You know, it's part of the great stories, and you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox are arguably the the greatest rivalry in sports, and it's really important for us. So, um, so there are times where we don't need to do a lot. It just sort of happens, like the you know the Pedro. Zimmer or the the tech a rod piece and um and you know and like but it's that's why I also I think like oh three oh four were so crazy because to play them in the ALCS twice um and then you know then it didn't happen for fourteen years in the postseason so you know you realize how <laughs> how important those are hey uh, slugs real quick for Adam um so. You had a lot of success. Oh my God! You had a lot of success marketing um, in Japan. So did you ever try marketing to countries that aren't as receptive of baseball? Slugs, your service is terrible. Yeah, I think the question was about marketing in Japan. Um, she said you you guys killed it in Japan. Yeah. Did you have any? Have you had successes in trying to go market in like a European country, or is that tougher? Well, for us, so the, the rules of Major League Baseball are that, that we have a territory that's New England, that we market to New England, um, and that's our home territory. If we wanted to put a Red Sox store or a billboard in the middle of Manhattan, we, don't, we couldn't do that. The same thing with, with even in Tokyo. MLB invited us to play in Tokyo and Japan um, in 2008, and so we did, and we had just signed Daisuke Matsuzaka, uh, the season before that and so we were invited just like last year we played in London against the Yankees for the first time another you know again that, that's why they had us play there uh, it was a tremendous tremendous event and so um, the, we believe we are sort of I think internationalists by nature uh, we've done a lot given the the roots of the, so many of our players in the Dominican and done a lot of community work there uh, we've done a lot you know we were the first team to take the trophy to Puerto Rico after. Um, 2018 those those old red sox nations commercials i am red sox nation man yeah (laughs) 
those are, I mean, it's, again, we are lucky to have such a wild fan base across the globe. And that's why, again, on the digital and social side, it's so important. We can now connect with them um, literally across the world. And that's, that's pretty cool. Okay. Well, Hey, I know you got to run um, one. Hey, did you have fun? Yes. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. And um, I, I said, hope, hopefully we'll all be coming out of our houses soon. Hi, this is Adam Grossman with the Red Sox. That was my golden hour.